Well, I want to share a word with you tonight that I'm probably going to carry on over and maybe I'm just testing it out on y'all tonight and I'm, I'm going to see how it goes and I know how it's going to go. But anyway, uh, and then I will pre preach some more of it on Sunday. So get your Bibles out and go to John chapter 7 verse 37. John 7:37. You know, I'm believing God in these days to do big things. I pray y'all are praying for the church, praying for our communities, praying for this area, praying for the world, because I'm just believing God to do big things. I, I want to see a move of God. I want to see another Azusa Street revival. I want to see another big moving of the things of God. But the Lord's been prodding me and challenging me in some areas even in my own life about you know sometimes the way that we we look at things and so uh, that's why I've been preaching that message on the Holy Spirit on on Sunday and I want to keep going on the Holy Spirit and uh, but he showed me something and I want to share this with you John seven thirty seven. I want to read it 37 and 38 it says on the last day that great day of the feast Jesus stood and he cried out saying if anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now look at the part right at the very first in 37 there. It says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So the title of this message tonight is, Are You Thirsty? Now, what does it mean to be thirsty? I remember one time when I was about, I was probably 15 or 16 years old, my father uh, had this brilliant idea that we were going to go down to Charlotte and uh, he bought a bunch of peanut hay, but he bought it in the field. And so he got a bunch of us young people and, and a bunch of other the families all came together and we all took cattle trailers down there. And I don't know, there was five or six different families there and of course all the sons and everybody else. And so we went down there to Charlotte to pick up this peanut hay. And so we get down there, and uh, the, the farmer that we bought it from gave us a tractor and a, just a flatbed trailer, but we had to load it. There was no loader. We had to go by, pick up every bale, throw it on the trailer, stack them, take them out to the road, and then load them in, a, in just regular gooseneck cattle trailers. And so, uh, you know, I was young. I didn't have any, I just did what Daddy said, got in the truck and left. And so we get down there, and... I'd never really been in that country much, and so, you you know, it's all sandy. And so we get out in those fields, and you're just having to walk along and pick up bales of hay, peanut hay, which, by the way, if you've never used peanut hay, it's very it's very coarse and very it's scratchy all up, teary all up. And then, then the other thing that the farmer told us before we started picking up is to make sure you turn those bales over because there's snakes in it. And I thought, oh, yeah, right. And sure enough, turned over a bale of hay, and there was a half of a snake bailed up in the bale with this, you know, head still out going around, and we had to kill the snake before you could throw the bale on there. And it's all kinds of crazy stuff. So then I was a little waspy. I hate snakes. And so we trudged through this old sandy field, you know, for hours, uh, loading hay. The bales were heavy. They were full of sand and everything, and and they just, you know, and so you, you were, didn't take too long till we got wore out pretty bad. So I I finally turned to my father and I said, hey, man, where's the water? You know, the water can. And he said, oh, so-and-so brought the water. And so then we went over there and he said, well, I thought that one got the water. And 
amongst four families, nobody had any water. And so the farmer felt sorry for us, and so he went to town, he comes back, and he comes back with a case of hot Coke. Now, needless to say that, you know, we were all thirsty, but then to take a hot Coke because you thought it might, you know, make you feel better or whatever, and you drink a hot Coke, and then it was just worse, you know. And then you had to take that hay, and you had to carry it inside of a cattle trailer all the way up there and stuff it in there. I mean, it was just the stupidest thing in the world. <clears throat> so anyway, that day is the first day I think I really knew what thirst was, you know. I, but... How thirsty have you ever been? You know, I'm just asking you just to think about it. How thirsty have you ever been? You know, most people today, they, they, um, they're not thirsty. Because you can go to the store, you can buy any kind of water you want. You can drink the water out of your tap. If you don't want that, you go to this. You get this water, that water. Oh, no, it's got to be this purified water. It's got to be that water. It's got to be this. It's got to be this. It's got to be this. No, only drink this kind of water. And you go to your selection of water. The only reason why you'd be thirsty is because you didn't want to drink a lesser water if you couldn't find the one that you wanted. Right? So we don't really know what real natural thirst is. We always can satisfy our thirst, right? But Jesus stood up and he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come and drink. Come to me and drink. There's a thirst that's in the, there's a thirst, let me say it this way, that's by the Spirit. There's a thirst that we are so thirsty for the things of God. You're so thirsty to, to be with Jesus. You're so thirsty to know his word. You're so thirsty just to be with him. There's a longing, there's a yearning within you. That can't be quenched unless you get in his presence and experience his, his presence. But then what happens to us as we grow in our Christian walk? We tend to get, I don't want to say less thirsty, but we just kind of get, you know, I want to call it the sin of familiarity. We just get familiar with the things of God, familiar with what's going on. Life, God has blessed us in life. We're doing pretty good. So then, therefore, we don't thirst like we did at the beginning when we didn't know anything. Now, what's interesting is the Greek word there for thirst. What it means is it can figuratively mean you just need some water. But it means those to th that thirst who painfully feel their want. So it's more than just, you know, like you're kind of dry mouth and you took a drink. It's your painfully feel it. You, you, you know, you, 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 it's, it's literally hurting because you don't have it. And eagerly longing for it. Can mean refreshed, support, and strengthened. To thirst, okay? So, I got to thinking about being thirsty. I know people that don't drink water. You say, how can you live and not drink water? Drink very little water. Don't, water is not something they thirst for. They'll drink tea, they'll drink something else, they'll drink coffee, but they won't drink water. They just won't get a bottle of water and say, oh, that's what's going to quench my thirst because they don't like it. Hello? You only thirst for something 
that you believe with all of your heart at your answer. Right? I mean, you're not going to walk into a store and you say, I'm thirsty. And they say, what do you want? And you're not going to say, I don't care. Just give me anything. Right? They may give you milk. They didn't want you wanted. When you're thirsty for something, you're longing for something, and you're, you're wanting it, you know what you want because you've tasted it before and it quenched your thirst. Well, what's wrong is that people aren't longing for the Lord because they haven't known the Lord into the way that He quenched their thirst and touched their soul. It's just something that's within their cabinet. I tease my wife all the time because we have this little spice rack inside of our cabinet. You know, that's a little rotating wheel, little hoodie-doo. And I swear, I told her so that I said, I think some of those spices, they gave them to us when we got married. I mean... There's spices in there we ain't never used. I never seen it, you know, open today. I mean, we got we got lots of them. I mean, there's 20 or 30 spices in there, and we don't use but about four of them on a consistent basis. You know what I'm saying? And so it's kind of like that with Christianity with people. They're, they just want Jesus in the spice rack and get out some spice when they need Get a little Jesus out and sprinkle on something when they need it. It's not that they're longing for, craving for, thirsty for, just positioning themselves and saying, oh, God, that's the answer. I've got to have it. Another thing I read about thirst and that I thought was interesting. Well, let me get in there. I'll get in this in a second. So then let's take it to another level. Let's go over here and take it to another level and think about something else. A drug addict. Okay? A drug addict, a person who gets hooked on drugs, whatever the drug is, and he gets hooked on the drugs, will do anything to get that drug. Right? They'll lie, they'll steal, they'll cheat, they'll drop their morals, they'll do whatever that wouldn't, you know, they would have never done, but they do it because they gotta have it, right? They that's their they think that's their, what do they call it? The fix. Right? Isn't it interesting that people don't long for Jesus as he's their fix? That there's nothing they'd stop. I remember when, when we first got saved, my wife and I, and we were doing all we could. We had little kids. We'd drag them up here half-dressed, do whatever we could to get them to church, just get to church, just get in the building. I just wanted to be in the place where it was the house of God. I just wanted to hear the word of God. I just wanted to, you know, every moment of my life was about listening to, 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 to you know, <laughs> I'm dating myself, cassette tapes of anything I could, just listen to it, just anybody preaching. Any, I just wanted to hear the word. I was just so hungry for the word, just, just going through the word. And, and I've never lost my hunger for the word. Okay, but I can tell you that that when I look across the world today and I'm sitting there saying, what is everybody doing? And I'm not I'm not talking about I'm not talking about our church like as a specific thing. I'm talking about the body in general. Everybody's arguing about everything in the world, but nobody I see is just really seeking and hungry, getting get everything out of the way because they want to be in the place where Jesus is. A drug addict will do that, though. He'll do anything in the world to get there to get his fix. Go to 1 Corinthians 16, 15. Now, depending on what script, what uh, version you're reading tonight, I'm, I'm going to quote this one out of King James. 
because I read this in King James years ago, and it really, I was like, wow. I'm in 1 Corinthians 16, 15, out of the King James Version. It says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Acacia, and that they have addicted themselves unto the ministry of the saints. When I read that the very first time out of King James years ago, and I said, they're addicted themselves. They're addicted to ministry to the saints. And I thought, what a strange word to put in there that you're addicted because my mind's thinking drug addict. You know, you're addicted. You got to have your victory. You can't do it. You got to go minister to the saints, right? Well, the Greek word there for addicted, okay, it means it's really strange. It means to place in a certain order to arrange, to assign assign a place to a point, okay? It means to assign a thing to one, because sometimes that scripture is when it says they ordained pastors and put them into churches, it's the same word. So it doesn't make any sense if, you know, you wouldn't say they addicted pastors and told them to go to the the ministry, right? So, but what the word saying is, is he assigned them to, he said, this is your station. This is your place. We're commissioning you to do this and you're here. So therefore you're fixed to it. You're stationed at it. Okay. And it also means to appoint one's own responsibility or authority to appoint mutually, i.e. agree upon. All right. So. When he's saying addicted here, he's talking about, it's, it's, you know, we're saying addicted, and I'm thinking in my mind, addiction, you're hung on this thing. But they're saying, no, no, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're put in this place, you're assigned to do this, and when you're assigned to do this, this is where you fit. This is your station. This is something that you can't be swayed to on one side or the other. This is what you do. If you're fixed at the door, you're fixed at the door, and that's where you are. Hello? It's like the, 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 uh, at Buckingham Palace, the guards that come out front and they're standing there, right? They're fixed, they're stationed. This is what I'm going to do. There is nothing else going to take me off. Listen to me. Anything that you're not fixed onto, stationed into because you know Jesus is in it, you're going to get swayed off of it. Can you imagine walking up to one of those? Guys at Buckingham Palace and walking up to him and saying, hey, you know, really, you guys, you shouldn't have to stand here all day like this. I mean, you know, come on. Here's a chair. Come on over here and sit down. You think they're going to listen to you? That's their, what they're fixed to do. That's their station. They're addicted to it in that sense that they will not be moved off of it. Now, look at David, Psalms 42.1. Old song out of this we used to sing. Psalms 42.1 says, As a deer pants for the water's brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, Where is your God? David's sitting here giving this illustration that, uh, you know, it's like a deer that pants for the water. And today when I was thinking about this and, and, and I thought, you know, have you ever watched a deer drink? A deer, doesn't, a deer doesn't drink very long. You know, like a cow. A cow will walk up to the water trough, stick her head in there. 
and just suck water in. But a a deer won't. A deer goes up and drinks very sheepishly or gingerly, you know what I mean? They don't just suck it up like that. Okay, but David's saying, just like the deer, he's longing for the water he wants to go. And I have seen, I've watched does before. Something scares them, and they really want to go get a drink, and they run away, and they're not coming to the trough. And then they really want to go up there, and then they go back and forth, and they're fighting. (laughs) And that's what David's saying. It's a deer longing for the water. That's how my soul thirsts for you, O God. In a dry and thirsty land. I believe we're in a dry and thirsty land. And unless people's hearts begin to thirst for God, I'm telling you they're going to miss it. Psalm 63.1, let's look at what David said here. Psalm 63.1. He said, oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked to you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because of your loving kindness is better than life. See, he knew the answer. He said, Lord, you're my answer. You're the loving kindness. You, my fix is you. I'm addicted to you because you're the only thing that brings me joy. You're the only thing that brings me peace. You're the only thing that's going to satisfy my soul. So he says, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied with marrow and with fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with a joyful lip, lips. When I remember you are on my bed, when I meditate upon you in the night watches, because you have been my help. You see, this, listen to what David's saying here. He's saying, man, there isn't any answer but you, Jesus. You're the answer for me, and I'm going to seek it. I'm thirsting for it, and nothing's going to get him away. I want to know you more. But he knew God was his answer. Too many people today don't know God's the answer. Their marriage is, is on the rocks. Their, their children are on the rocks. Their life is just up and toss and turn. And they're looking everywhere for an answer except Jesus. He's the answer. You long for and you get addicted to what you know is your answer. Matthew 5, 6. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You cannot be thirsty for Jesus and not find him. You just don't find him when you're not thirsty. Right? Now, it's funny because hunger and thirst are always used the same. You hunger for him or you thirst for him, you long for him. Now, look at this, Revelation 21.6. Revelation 21.6. And he said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give you, I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Do you realize (laughs) only the thirsty people Got the water of life. Only thirsty people get the water of life. Only thirsty people get the water of life. Think about that. Only thirsty people get the water of life. 
So let me give you a few points here of how you cultivate thirst. Okay, the number one thing, or the first thing, or however you want to do it, however you want to say it, is you have to be like the drug addict. You have to realize and reckon that Jesus is your fix. That's the first thing. If, if you don't see Jesus as important, you don't see prayer as important, you don't see Jesus as important, your relationship with him is important, you're not going to ever thirst for him because you don't think he's your answer. I'm not that old, but I've lived long enough, and I've lived without Jesus, and I've lived with Jesus, and there's nothing more important than your relationship with Jesus. There is nothing. Nothing's going to satisfy it. I have seen people that look like they had it made in life, and everything goes shipwrecked, but they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I tell you, money can't buy it. Nothing in this world that there is can buy it. I've seen people who had everything. They arrived at the pinnacle of what the world would call success and get cancer and die. You've got to know that Jesus is your answer. You've got to know with all of your heart that there is nothing more important. Your job's not that important. Your whatever Jesus, your relationship with Jesus is most important. And if, if a couple would understand that, then their marriage is fixed. Because you don't have time to fight because you're too busy seeking Jesus. And the more you get in his presence, well, then what happens is there's more anointing in your home. Your home becomes your sanctuary. Your home becomes a place of blessing. Then you're just sitting there, and it's just too good. You don't have any reason to fight. It's so important that Jesus is number one that nothing, nothing in your day can get in the way of that. So how are you going to cultivate it? Well, first thing is he has to be number one. It's what you're seeking. You know he's your answer. And the second one is you got to talk to God. The next one B is, you know, you have to seek his face. Say, so how do I seek the face of God? Folks, man, inside of your heart, there's got to be a place. If you, want, if you know Jesus is your answer, well, then you know there's an answer in here, right? So you're going to search his word. You're going to do everything you can. You're going to pray. You're going to talk to him. You're going you're to listen to everything you possibly can listen to. I, I, I watch videos all the time. I go back to old ministers. I go back into the 50s and the 60s and I listen to what they were preaching then. I go into the 70s and the 80s and I listen to what they were preaching then. I find people, I listen, I'm always feeding, I'm always looking, I'm always saying, Lord, how can you speak to me? And I was listening to one the other day and I'm not going to even say who it was. And man, I mean, I love Jesus with all of my heart. And it was, this guy was so dry and he was just a teacher and I'm trying with all of my heart to listen to him. I'm trying to give him the respect. He's dead and gone to heaven now. But I'm just trying to listen to him. It's so dry. I'm just wanting to push the stop button. I'm just wanting to say, God, I can't take it anymore. Ah, oh, God, i got to get something a little more exciting. And I just want to push. And just by the time I was about to push it off, he said something. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, that's good. And then the Holy Spirit took me off over in another vein over here or something. But I was just about to shut it off. And I'm telling you, God can feed you. When you seek his face, he'll feed you out of anything. 
can be the dog barking outside and you still get a revelation. When you're seeking his face, you have to look for him in every activity of your life. Every activity of your life, where's God? If it's a bad activity or a good activity, it doesn't make any difference. You're having to go to the doctor, having to go to the dentist. Lord, look for, the, look for God in that. Remember, to be addicted means to arrange in order. Right? It means to arrange in order. So you arrange your order, you're addicted to the ministry of the saints, it became number one. Everything else, nothing else mattered. To assign a place, that was another meaning of it. So you said, no, okay, it's going to be up front. Or it means to station yourself at. So, in other words, you put yourself, you put it up front and said, that's it. But now, I got to tell you this bad part. Okay? The enemy, the devil, does not want you to, to, to listen to this message. He does not want you to hear this in its simple form and take it to heart. Okay? Because he knows if you do, that then God is going to be blessing you in life, and he's going to be ministering to you in life. He's going to be pouring himself out to you in life. He's going to be, you know, all the time you're going to be reading the word and getting a word from God, and it's going to be good, and your life's going to be happy, and, and God's going to be blessing you. And even if you're going through trials and tribulations, there's going to be an answer. Right? So Mark 4.19 comes into play. The parable of the sower. And just listen to this, what he said about the thorns. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Your constant battle as you're seeking to keep Jesus first, to seek his face, is the cares of the world. Folks, listen to me. The cares of the world are real. I'm not denying the cares of the world. I'm not de de denying that, that we don't have needs and wants within our lives. Okay? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that once you put Jesus first, then all your world just goes into candy land and is just perfect. I'm just saying when you put Jesus first, the cares of the world are still going to come upon you. But once you've stationed yourself and arranged yourself and put yourself in that place that he's first, then it all works out. But he's constantly, the enemy's constantly going to want to put the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for another thing are going to want to come in and they're going to want to choke out the word. But if you have arranged in order, you've assigned a place, you stationed yourself at that place and made Jesus first, well, then I want to tell you something. You're going to get your fix from Jesus. Now, that's what causes revival. That's what causes a move of God is hungry people. Now, the scripture I read in Revelation 21, he said, and those who thirst will drink from this. That means thirsty people even go to heaven. You're still thirsty when you're in heaven. Think about that. It's not like you get to heaven and then you just go to the beach. Sit back on a recliner. Ah, oh, I made it. Glory. 
No, when you get to heaven, you're still thirsty for him. Because once you get to heaven and you get into his presence and you begin to see what all's in heaven and see how awesome God is, then that even makes you thirstier, longing more to be with him, even though you're there. Think about that. You don't get to heaven and they say, all right, see you guys later. I'm going to my mansion. I don't even know why we have mansions in heaven. Who's going to want to go? What are you going to go watch TV? I mean, why are you going to want to be in a mansion sitting there? Well, I was just tired. It's just my rest. I get to rest now. I don't have to worry about the devil and dying and sickness and disease. It's time for me to go rest. I'm going to go over to my house and relax and enjoy it. What? Talk about the presence of God. Talk about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Talk about all the people, all the saints that went before us. All of them out there, you just go walk up, talk to any of them about what Jesus did for them. And we're going to want to go sit in our mansion? Well, there's just too many people. Oh, crowded, Lord. So I don't really even know why we got a mansion. But I just know this out of Revelation 21. The thirsty people are still thirsty in heaven. It doesn't stop. We don't get to that place, cross over the line. The rapture doesn't take place and we're going up and saying, Oh, I made it right. Still thirsty. We need thirsty people, folks. We need people that are hungry and thirsty for God no matter what. And I've always been so proud of this church because, you know, I don't know whether it's just training by, by endurance that, you know, y'all aren't always looking at your clock and saying, oh, yeah, pastor's going long today or whatever, you know. Everybody's willing to, 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 to you know, put their flesh aside, their, their lunch hour and whatever, and, and stay through to whatever. And, but I'm just saying we need hungry people. If we want to see a revival, we've got to pray for them, people to be hungry and thirsty for God. Not let every little thing in the world get in and inconvenience us to not be at church, not be seeking God, not be doing this. I'm too tired. I didn't have time to read today. What? Let a drug addict that's really hooked, where you're going to find him, say, well, I really need a fix, but I don't really feel like going out, finding my dealer. Right? They'll step at all hours of the night, go down and steal something. They had to go do it, sell it, just to go down there to get their fix. But Christians, we have the ability to have a face-to-face conversation with God at all times. As I preach Sunday, the Holy Spirit with us at all times. God Almighty with us at all times. Yet, we'll spend time wasting time on complaining, griping, murmuring. That's the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things trying to enter in and choke out the word. So, I just want to say to you tonight, everyone out there, if you think, well, I don't like Pastor anymore. He didn't preach a real nice message tonight. I'm sorry, but I'm telling you, the answer is Jesus. Hear what I'm saying tonight, church. The answer is Jesus. There is nothing else going to satisfy the hurt or the longing in your soul, except Jesus. You're not going to find the perfect husband. You're not going to find the perfect wife. You're not going to live in the perfect town with the perfect uh, job. You're not, it's the, you're not going to find Pleasantville and everything is just perfect and everything is lined up and everything is just perfect. That place does not exist except in heaven. And when they get, people get to heaven, they're still thirsty for God. Jesus is your answer. He's the answer to everything going on in your life. 
And your relationship with him directly determines your joy here on this earth. And so I just encourage you tonight, get addicted to Jesus. Get addicted to Jesus. Put him out first. Put him out front. And then watch what happens in your life. Watch what happens in your life. So if you're out there and you're watching and you're saying, well, I'm not addicted to Jesus. I never met Jesus. Well, let me tell you what. The Bible's real simple. It says that if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you'd be saved. It's about a relationship of a son named Jesus who's God's son who went to the cross for us, who died and paid the price for our sins so that we could be right with God. All you have to do is say, it's, it's to say, Father, forgive me for my sins. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. Wash me in your blood. I want to go to heaven. I'm hungry and thirsty for you. And watch right there. The Spirit of God will touch you wherever you are. And he'll minister to you and he'll save your soul. And so cry out to him if you don't know him. I want to just pray for everybody tonight. And so y'all in here, stand up. Those of you watching, I want to pray for you right now. Father, I just pray over every person listening to this message. I pray tonight that there would be a fire stirred into people's hearts, Lord. Deep down in their bellies, Lord God, a fire would begin to burn and they would become hungry and thirsty for you, O God. That, Lord, nothing would get in their way. They would station themselves right at the foot of the cross, right with you, Jesus. And that they would be so hungry for you that they would seek your face. That not the cares of the world or the deceitfulness of riches or the lust of other things would enter in and choke out the word in their life. But, Lord, that they would seek you with all of their hearts. So, Lord, I pray for them tonight. Those Christians that have gotten apathetic and gotten off track, Lord, I just pray for them right now. That they would hear this word and that, Lord, you would rekindle the fire within them. Lord, that the Christians out there who don't know what to do, that they would just see tonight clearly that they just got to seek Jesus. He's their fix and go for him with all of their heart and watch what God does. For Lord, those Christians that are hungry and thirsty, that are crying out for you this night, Lord, I pray, let there be more, more uh, fire within their bellies. More fire down, like Jeremiah said, down in their bones. It just keeps them from, so they cannot stop. They got to preach. They got to tell everybody about Jesus. And Lord, that we would truly see a move of God upon this earth. And Lord, I give you all the praise. Lord, I ask you to bless everyone tonight. Bless their finances. Bless their giving. Lord, bless their businesses. Pour yourself out upon them, Lord. Lord, we give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.